0: Okay, what was that you were saying?
1: I was saying people uh, always one they they always think we're in the same room. They think we actually get to like people I know know that you're in Philly, but they think right. we like get together to record. But the That's other a thing,
0: true testament, to right? To, Something I don't
1: know to your editing Zencaster, and so. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and then the other thing that I do think is a fascinating story that at some point we will have to tell. Like nobody can believe that we've only met twice.
0: <laughs> no. Again, that's the hard part People can't buy
1: I know <coughs> Excuse me mm. <coughs> I'm dying, it might be our last time Apparently I, I have Assumption <laughs> all of a sudden
0: like, I completely buy somebody would eat 501 chicken wings in one sitting Right. But the fact that you guys are Two different locations, get out of town
1: <laughs> Right? It's
0: so bizarre
1: It's so bizarre It is so bizarre to me The things that people like don't grasp or that find fascinating versus the things that we find fascinating
0: right nigel although nigel across the board seems to be the one the great um equalizer i guess yes you know that everyone is just like that's amazing
1: nigel is universally beloved
0: yes
2: this is why with your host. Heidi Hedquist, and Luke Poling.
0: You started off as a veterinarian. Did you always want to work with horses? How did you move specifically into horse horses and teeth?
2: I started out as wanting to be a veterinarian by the time I was 14, and I was pretty focused on wanting to be a horse vet from that point on, and so that was my singular goal, um, And uh, I graduated from vet school in uh, 1988 and thoroughly enjoyed general equine practice um, for the first, uh, I guess, 15 years or so. Um, Some life situations occurred and I had an interest in dentistry and I felt like we just weren't doing it right. And so Mm -hmm. I went, I went back to school to improve my dental skills and it wound up, just literally taking over the practice. Um, And so I thoroughly enjoy my career. I loved being, I am still a vet. I still do some general work, um, but really just for myself and friends, that kind of thing. Um, We have horses and so I still treat them and stuff. Um, But my practice is focused solely and completely on dentistry and acupuncture.
1: Wow. In what respect, I know you said that it didn't seem like it was being handled as, as well as it could be or explored as much. Can you tell us a little bit about why the dental health of a, of a horse is so important?
2: Absolutely. So horses are hypsodonts, which means that their teeth continue to erupt throughout the course of their life. Um, they are different than rabbits whose teeth actually grow new teeth. Horses have a finite amount, Uh, their teeth are about three inches long, and they continue to erupt until there is no more tooth left. So when you have an abnormality that occurs um, over time, it gets worse and worse because they continue to change.
1: Sure.
2: So in dogs and humans, uh, we are brachydons, and so the teeth you have when you are an adult are the teeth you will have when you die. That's it. Nothing is going to change. Um, The wearing surfaces are going to stay the same, but horses are constantly changing Um, and they chew. They have a very long um, mouth and they chew in a somewhat circular fashion. And so having their mouth be able to go in all four directions is incredibly critical for them to Uh, be able to chew their food properly. And so a small abnormality that will occur as a young horse becomes a major abnormality as time goes on, which will then lead to that tooth uh, fracturing and having to be extracted.
1: Does that, does that make sense? It does. Okay. It does. I, I think I had horses growing up and I'm thinking back, you know, I, I don't remember us ever taking care of their teeth and I'm
2: sitting here thinking, oh no, were they okay? Exactly. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. Exactly. I mean, truly. And the, the world of equine dentistry has really exploded in the past uh, 10 to 12 years as we've made just huge strides in our oral exam techniques, our equipment, um, knowing that you have to be able to look for something to know that there's a problem. And that in itself is just huge. When I graduated from veterinary school back in 88, we didn't have mouth speculums. You had no way to look in and really examine their mouth unless you referred them to the university. Um, Now, you know, uh, every horse gets a complete oral exam. And then I can see that, Oh, look at that. That tooth in the back of his mouth is fractured. And it's embedded in his cheek and it's causing an awful lot of pain, which is causing behavioral problems. Sure. um And that's what we're trying to prevent is we want to, we want to have their teeth be in their mouth for their whole life, which is, I might also add a much longer than it was than when you you had horses as a right. child. Sure. Um, and we want them riding and performing. Most of my practice is performance horses and we expect a lot out of these horses, um, you know, a lot more than just a pasture pet in the backyard. Sure. How cooperative is a horse for a oral exam <laughs> as a general rule? <laughs> With the proper medication, very nicely cooperative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have Arabians, so I would imagine they probably take some extra,
2: <laughs> little
1: extra <laughs> dose.
2: <laughs> we, we do sedate. Um, every single horse that we examine in order to actually get a good exam on it. Even if they don't need work, um, you cannot do a good exam without sedating them and getting a speculum in Um, and being able to get your hand in there and actually physically touch every tooth and visualize every tooth. Um, But our sedation is minimal. The horses are standing. Um, When I'm done, they walk out of their stall and they go back out to the pasture. You know, wow. So it's not like we're dropping them on the ground. It's not like they're so sedated they can't stand up. What we're doing is not painful. They just have to understand that they have to accept it. Does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. It makes sense as a human,
2: too. Correct. Correct. <laughs>
0: so it's not like with dog and cats. Correct. When, when Correct. they are sedated for dentistry, they are out. Correct. What do you use to sedate a horse.
2: So I use a combination of drugs. I use one that is an analgesic, so they don't get sore from having a speculum in their mouth. Um, I use another one. uh, It's called Demosedan. That is uh, very good. It gives you about eh, 20, 25 minutes worth of um, sedation. And they'll accept the procedure. Again, because I'm not hurting them. If I have to do an extraction, that's a whole different ballgame. but to do just a dental procedure, as soon as they realize that, oh, that's vibration, but that doesn't hurt, then they're much more willing to accept it. Um, The other thing is I have a full-time technician that works with me every day, every horse. And so she is holding their heads, keeping them in correct anatomical position. She's providing, I hate to say it, it sounds ridiculous, but emotional support. The horse knows that there's somebody standing there Sure. Um. And so we have, I said, excellent success in getting the procedure done quickly, with minimal uh, drama, minimal issues from the horse. My goal is to get in there, do the exam, get the work done, and get back out. Sure.
0: So, and is that done as an injection or is it a horse pill?
2: It's an injection. It's okay. a, an injection in the vein. Um. And after I give the injection. You can see the difference in the horse in about a minute, and about wow. three minutes after the injection, I'm ready to go to work.
0: And then you travel, I'm assuming, that I the do. horses don't come to you?
2: Correct. We do have a facility here at my house, at, at my barn, that people can bring their horses in, but we are on the road um, every day, and we travel, and we cover oh. the entire state of Georgia. Wow. And wow. so we drive to their barns, and we do whatever horses they are, you know, they have their um Actually, we, my technician and I, we really enjoy we enjoy the travel. I like to be able to see the environment that the horse is living in because sure. people have different perspectives. Um, when you tell me, when the horse is, I'm called out a lot because there's a problem. And so I'm called because the horse is not gaining weight. And if I ask, you know, what kind of pasture is he on? Oh, he's on good grass, blah, blah, blah. I get out there and I see your concept of good grass and my concept of good grass are not actually the same. Um, whereas if you're just telling me that I have no way of knowing, is that sure? You know? So I yeah. really right. like seeing the environment that the horse actually lives in because I'm a vet. So it's not just the teeth. It's the whole situation. You know, why is the horse not eating well? What's going on? What is affecting him overall to make him a healthier animal?
0: Is there a daily, uh, Hygiene routine that horses should be going through, flossing, water pick, that sort of thing?
2: <laughs> no, boy, don't I wish on some of them. No, but okay, yeah. Yeah, We do dentals once or twice yearly, depending on the age and the uh, horse's mouth.
0: So what sort of tooth problems do horses normally have?
2: The most common, so the horse's upper jaw is 20% wider than his lower jaw. So the teeth on the outside of the uppers tend to get very sharp and they'll cause ulceration in the che- in his cheeks. Um, mm-hmm. And the teeth on the lower jaw on the inside will get sharp and cause ulcerations on his tongue. So those are called points. So addressing sharp points is pretty much the hallmark of dentistry. That's the first thing that you have to do in order to keep them comfortable. Um, and keep them, uh, from, you know, allow those cheeks to heal. And so they don't, they're not hurting. Um, then we also address fractured teeth, um, teeth that grow in. So they have baby teeth and adult teeth, just like, uh, humans do. And sometimes the baby teeth will come in, the lower teeth may come in a little earlier than the upper teeth, and it will create issues that that tooth is higher, and unless it's you intervene, it will get higher and higher and higher every year. Uh-huh. So, the dealing with um, general floating and the term floating is comes from actually from a concrete term which means to level, and so we want to balance their mouths and make it so that their mouth moves in correct uh, anatomical, uh, you know, position. So I find that once I have freed up a mouth, because sometimes we'll get there in their lock. They can only move partially in one direction. And after their dental, they should be moving nice and freely. Sure. And right. when I come back, their teeth will look better than when I left it because they start actually self-floating. Just getting their mouths moving correctly is half of the game right there. Wow.
1: And then do you have to do anything? Uh, is there such a thing as a filling or a root canal or anything of those nature? Yeah,
2: that's pretty fairly controversial. So instead of human teeth that have um, one pulp chamber uh, going down to one root, um, which we do root canals on those in horses, they will have up to six pulp chambers going down to three or four roots. Oh, wow. And again, they're three inches long. So there are some, some, people that believe that root canals are uh they're kind of kind of a thing in the racing industry and stuff i personally okay. am not a huge fan of them i've seen a lot of fractured teeth afterwards and so it's not part of what would be considered normal dentistry at this point in time interesting and because they are not because they're hypsodonts and their teeth continue to erupt you can't use caps or bridges or anything like that because the teeth around them are constantly changing sure
0: but how much I would love to see a
2: horse cap!
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to see you... the horse
2: tooth fairy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good one. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of fracture. We do a lot of fracture uh, extractions and stuff like that from fractured teeth. Um, we do a lot of referral work for other veterinarians for that. Okay. So,
0: Makes what I've heard of um, horse cribbing. Yes. Does that affect their teeth at all? Uh,
2: yeah, that's a, that's a problem that's not not ever resolved. So cribbing is when, so the incisors are the front teeth, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's when they take their incisors and they grab like the top of a board and they, uh, mm-hmm. they grab it with their teeth and they inhale sharply. Uh, we believe that that, re- that uh, creates endorphins and enkephalins in their brain. It's almost like sucking on a pacifier for a baby but mm. the const, constant pressure on their teeth will actually wear down their incisors to the gum line. Um, and it, it'll create, it's a weight loss issue. They, the horses tend to be not very thrifty when they're cribbers. Uh, and so they can wear a cribbing collar, which is a very tight strap around their throat that prevents that muscle from, uh, expanding, but it's only marginally, uh, productive.
1: Does having a bit in their mouth, Ever effect, does that have any effect on their dental health if they're being ridden a lot or anything like um,
2: that? The bit does not okay. uh, unless the bit is severely harsh. Gotcha. However, one of the things that we do is we do a lot of bit fitting because mm-hmm. horses have different shaped mouths and there are many, many bits out there. And so right. having a bit that actually fits inside this particular horse's mouth will make him much better at riding. Um, so the, the bit doesn't, a correct bit doesn't change their dental health, but the dental health will change whether or not they can get the correct bit to work.
1: Sure, that makes sense. That's like the retainer you were concerned right. about, Luke.
0: Well, this is the one <laughs> I was wondering. Like, how often do you have to go through all the trash barrels in a barn after a preteen horse has accidentally thrown out the retainer? Is that a common?
2: <laughs> no. Okay. No. no. Just wanted to throw it out there. Uh,
0: no. You, you said you you um, mainly do a lot of work on or uh, a lot of your cl- patients are show horses. Correct. Are there particular challenges with show horses versus? Yes. I, I, in yeah. Georgia, are there a lot of race horses? There I feel like not, there might be. There's not. Racing oh, no? is illegal okay. in this
2: state. So we we actually don't have racing in this state. Um, So the majority of my practice is uh, dressage horses and and hunter jumpers. Um, Okay. But so here's one of the things that happens. When they develop hooks on the front molars, uh, not the incisors, but the molars and the the teeth in the back, When Mm -hmm. the hooks will prevent them from doing what we call collecting. So when you – and this has occurred in all species when you – tuck your chin to your chest, your lower jaw actually slides down because only the lower jaw moves. The upper jaw is stationary, so only the lower jaw moves, and it actually slides down somewhat. So because horses have such a long jaw, when you ask them to collect, to go over a jump, you're asking their chin to come closer toward their chest, not on their chest, but, but drop down to a vertical. If mm-hmm. they have hooks that lower jaw cannot slide for them to do that correctly. And when they can't do that correctly, it creates, gives them basically a chronic headache and it then affects the way they hold their neck and their back and their hind end. The whole, the whole horse is all connected. And if you mess with the front, you'll see the results in the hind. Wow. I mean,
0: much like humans with, uh, Oral health as well oh, absolutely. That can affect the whole you, body,
2: right? When you have TMJ problems as a human, you know it creates. I mean, it just it, you feel terrible. It it hurts your side of your face, hurts your neck, hurts. You actually hold your body differently. Eighty um, percent of the proprioceptive nerves that tell you where your feet are run through the TMJ. That is the same in horses. So when you offset your uh, their head slightly, it totally changes their balance on all four legs.
1: Hmm.
2: So it, there's a lot more to it. We, I actually did a study last year that if a horse has a slant mouth, and that's where the incisors say on the left side, the left uppers are a little bit longer. And so rather mm-hmm. than being straight across, the mouth has an angle to it. I was able hmm. to predict with an over 80% accuracy, which leg the horse was lame in. Wow.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah.
2: Just because of the way, <laughs> you know, just because the way they hold themselves. So,
1: wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Do, are, are, did, are dietary concerns ever an issue? I mean, are you know eating too many sugar cubes or what have you? <laughs>
2: yeah, does we don't that see cause that. any problems. No, we don't see that as much, with the exception that a lot of our the reasons why our horses have such so many issues are because of management, um, sure. and so we. As humans, sometimes we kill them with kindness. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so people for some reason like to feed their horses in hay racks. Well, you know, horses were designed to eat off the ground. They were designed to eat grass. They're not giraffes eating trees. So while, you know, most people when you bring it up, you know, look where your horse is eating. He's eating off the side of a wall. And that means his head is Mm. up and he's twisting his head. That affects the way he chews because his head's always twisted and he's eating at the vertical, as opposed to um, eating off the ground, which is the more natural stance for the horse. So we can, like I said, we can we can change the way horses, uh, the way their dental health is and the way their their body structure is just because we don't really realize that we're changing the way they were designed to eat. Sure. And out west... They have, we, here in Georgia, Bermuda is the most common grass that we have in most of our pastures and stuff like that. And it's a very, very soft grass. We feed a lot of Bermuda hay. Everything is very soft. Whereas out West, they have uh, much more coarse grazing and they don't seem to get as many dental issues as they do here in, in the Southeast because our feeds are so soft.
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, you said you've also studied uh, acupuncture. Correct. Correct. I was going to say architecture. uh,
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Try to tie all that together. (laughs)
0: How how big are the needles that you need to use?
2: I I prefer the three, between three inch and four inch needles for everything Uh that I do. Wow.
0: Wow. Do you play any new age music when you do it or?
2: (laughs) No. No? But I do like, truly, I do like a very quiet environment. I mean, the horse needs to relax and they have a, I I don't know if you've ever had acupuncture, but I have, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. have a lot of sensations that run through the body that Mm. is, some people claim almost like an out of body experience. I, I say it's almost like a hot flash. Things are, you can feel your things moving in your body, your energy and your heat moving and horses get that as well. And so it needs to be quiet and allow for them to allow that to happen. So I, tr- I try not to have chatty clients in the stall with me, you sure. know, because I need to focus on the horse and the horse needs to be allowed to focus on what's happening.
1: What do you usually do acupuncture for with horses? When do you usually recommend it?
2: For uh, pain. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very, uh, much more surgical oriented in my thinking than mm-hmm. I am medicine. And so okay. acupuncture has lots of uses, but in my hands, I prefer to use it for for painful issues. So a horse has a, a sore back. Um, it, maybe has, it maybe has slipped in the pasture and fallen down uh, or his pelvis is sore, came down after a jump incorrectly. Um, and it's incredibly effective for stopping the muscle spasms. Um, and it's a great adjunct to chiropractic.
1: How often, I know you mentioned once or or twice a year. Mm -hmm. Is that what you would recommend for all horses? Should all horses see a dentist?
2: Yes, every horse should see a dentist at least once a year. And the the practitioner will make a recommendation if they think it needs to be seen more frequently. Young horses need more frequent dental care because they are losing baby teeth and their mouths are constantly changing. So typically from the ages of two to about six, I really like to see them every six months. Um, And then after that, once their mouths are balanced, it gets longer and longer in between dentals.
1: Is there like a baby horse fluoride treatment or anything like that? Is there something
2: like that? No, but we do actually do some orthodontics on baby teeth, um, which is kind of interesting. So sometimes they, as their incisors are coming in, they'll be too crowded. There'll just not be enough room. And if you ignore it, they come in at an angle. Their tooth will rotate um, as they erupt. And once they're in, they're done. It's That's where they're going to stay. So sometimes we have to go in and make a relief cut in the baby teeth to allow more space so the uh, adult tooth can come in in the correct orientation. So that's something wow. we have to do frequently, which is why it's important. Because if I don't see the horse until they're five, it's too late to make any cha- you know changes. Right. Whereas if I see it at three, I can say, oh, we can fix this. And then by five, he's got a beautifully straight mouth of teeth.
1: Is there anything else that you feel is important that our listeners know that perhaps we didn't cover because we are really fascinated by things like retainers and the tooth fairy? (laughs) (laughs) Anything important we forgot to cover?
2: I think it's just it's really important to have a qualified practitioner. Um, just because somebody owns the equipment does not actually make them qualified to use it. Um, just because they say they're a dentist does not mean that they have been trained adequately. Um, the horses require sedation and they, you should have a a veterinarian do the sedation. There's no doubt. Um, the other thing is I'd like to mention is that there is this trend towards, quote unquote, natural dentistry, Mm -hmm. which uses no sedation, no speculum, and just a hand rasp. This is back to the way we used Mm. to do it when I graduated 30 years ago. Um, People believe that it's natural because you're not putting a speculum in and you're not using electricity. But the reality is that they're not getting the oral exams. They're not getting the precision of the dentistry. Um, It's there's just this wave towards just because someone says something is natural does not make it so. Right. Is that, is that I hate to, that's to make that or sense? Just it just it bothers sense. me. Yeah.
0: No, it, it, it seems almost ignoring the advances right. in science. And Exa-
2: exactly it. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Which is an interesting okay. decision to make.
2: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. yeah. Good
0: point. Yeah. <laughs> hmm.
1: <laughs> it's a whole other discussion. I know. <laughs> so I have one last, just ridiculous question. Um, <laughs> so I'm prefacing it, but. Obviously, what you're doing is incredible. It's so stinking cool. And I have so many um, family members who never turn into our podcast who will be so (laughs) enraptured by what you do. Because one is that my uncle is a dentist and other people in my family are uh, in the horse world. So they'll be all excited as well, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, when you just go to a random party and you tell people you're a horse dentist, (laughs) what do they do?
2: (laughs) They stare at me. They They stare at me. (laughs) And their mouth opens and they're like, could you repeat that? I love it. That's fantastic.
1: (laughs) I'm sure. You just have to capture all those moments.
2: (laughs) I will tell you that when I go to my dentist, my personal dentist, she does ask me to have my truck parked around back. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm sure
1: people are like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah,
2: <sure. laughs> I'm going
1: in there. <laughs> who's,
2: who's the relief dentist today? Right. Totally.
1: For more Why content, including behind the scenes, additional photos and video, as well as outtakes, visit whythepodcast.com. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help other folks find us and join our cult. The more cult members you bring in, the better your seat will be on the mothership. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on social, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even LinkedIn.
0: Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosyntho Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home.